soy Rico. Y yo soy Jessica. Y esto es Always the Critic Podcast, where a couple of friends review the latest movies, except we literally have zero qualifications to do so. Jessica, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Very well. Thank you, Rico. How are you doing? I'm doing well, you know, just uh, out here, you know, raising my flag, you know. <laughs> Saca tu bandera. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so in case you didn't realize what we're talking about, if you didn't check out your podcast feed, if you didn't notice by the Spanish at the beginning, we are going to be reviewing In the Heights. I think this was a pretty anticipated movie for us. Um, I think it was. I think we were kind of bored with all of the trailers for it because it was supposed to come out a year ago. A year ago. So we weren't hyped and then all of a sudden it was like upon us. We were so excited. Yes. Mm -hmm. So uh, before we get started on reviewing it, if this is your first time listening, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, we're on Google Podcasts, and many more. And if you do like us, go ahead and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars goes a long way for us. Come and check us out on the socials to stay up to date on our latest episodes and reviews. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Always Critic Pod. And if you're a fan, please, please consider becoming a patron. It's such a great way for you to get involved and show your support for as little as two bucks a month. You can check out the page on patreon.com slash Always Critic Pod. So today, like I mentioned, we are reviewing In the Heights, the latest movie here from Warner Brothers. Uh, a couple of little notes we'll get to later on about the movie. But before we do anything, Jessica, go ahead and tell us what this movie is about. IMDb synopsis reads a film version of the Broadway musical in which Usnavi, a sympathetic New York bodega owner, saves every penny every day as he imagines and sings about a better life. Exactly. So now this movie is directed by John Chu. Uh, John Chu has been known for uh, multiple different movies. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know him. So I know him from the Step Up movies. Yes. <laughs> I knew that he was the Step Up director. He directed Step Up 2 and 3. Now You See Me too, And then I think on the world stage, people took notice when he directed Crazy Rich Asians. Yes. Mm -hmm. That is how I knew him. Uh, and apparently he is slated to direct, uh, obviously, the sequel to Crazy Rich Asians yeah. that is coming out soon. And then That's China Rich Girlfriend. Yes. And then he's also going to direct Wicked. Yeah, Wicked, <laughs> which this has been a project that has just been like kind of like floating out in Hollywood for a right. long time. Yeah. So it looks like they're finally getting the ball rolling on that. Now, uh, on the... Uh, on the writing side, yes. uh, this was written by Kiara. Kiara? Kiara. It's definitely Kiara. Yeah, it's Kiara Alegria Udes. Yeah. And uh, co-written by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Of course. Who was the actual creator of this show on Broadway. So yep. for those who don't know, this is inspired and actually it's just a version of the Broadway show mm -hmm. on screen. So... Um, Lin Manuel, if you do, if you know the name, but you're like, huh, where does it come from? Creator of Hamilton, if if yes. you don't know for sure. So uh, now, Jessica, why don't you go ahead and tell us who stars in this movie? Okay, so it stars Anthony Ramos as Usnavi. He was also in Hamilton. Melissa yep. Barrera is Vanessa. Leslie Grace is Nina Rosario. Corey Hawkins is Benny. Olga Merediz 
Meredith uh, is Abuela Claudia, and Jimmy Smith is Kevin Rosario. Yes. So a very Hispanic cast, mm-hmm. which yeah. we are going to have a discussion about that. Right. Because After we... the box office yeah, and the critics' for sure. <laughs> uh, so box office-wise, well, before we touch on the box office, let's talk about the critical reception. Let's do it. <laughs> 97% from Rotten Tomatoes. That is a really high score. It's fresh. Critic-wise. Yes. Fresh and salsa. Even... <laughs> oh With the tomatoes... Even, audiences 95 percent they love it yeah like mm-hmm. what was the critical uh consensus for the movie lights up for in the heights a joyous celebration of heritage and community filled with dazzling direction and sing-along songs yes so people love this movie for i would say the majority of people love this movie right uh Those box office it. wise um, the movie made $11.4 million. Now, people not, not have good. been saying disappointment with that number. Well, because they're comparing it to other pandemic juggernauts like Tom and Jerry and Godzilla vs. Kong and A Quiet Place 2. Right. Okay. So a couple of things that could contribute to that, uh, to that number at least. Yeah. Um, one of the big things is it's not known IP. It's you know, not. Yeah. People go to the theater when they recognize what they're watching. So that's whether it's the property itself or the stars in the movie. There's not really like stars in this movie. Like these are people that are known either in the theater and film community or they're TV actors like right. Jimmy so Smith. You're saying that the property itself, like In the Heights, is not a, a well-known show. Like Hamilton right. is, or Wicked, for instance. We Les just mentioned Wicked. Le, Les Mis is a big one. Right. Um, and then it also doesn't have marquee actors. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, these are people who are good at what they do, but they're not like stars yet. I, and we'll see with Ramos because I, I, I really think, think Ramos, this is a star <laughs> on making. His way. Yeah, yeah, this is a star-making uh, project for him, for sure. Uh, so that's one of the reasons why I think it's at 11.4. I don't know if I want to call it a disappointment just because of the fact that we're still kind of in a pandemic still, even though theaters are opening up. Um, again, it's just there's not that huge of a It's been draw a bit for, of a- I know it's been a bit of a give and take scenario mm-hmm. because if one movie takes all the box office, then the next few weeks, like it seems to suffer. Yeah, that's true. And it is like a bit of a pattern for this pandemic, especially. Yeah, where one big movie comes out and it kind of eats away at everything right. in its path for the next couple of weeks. You're right. So I don't want to see it as a disappointment. And I hate the fact that it's being labeled as a disappointment. Just because of the fact that this is very big for the Hispanic community. Oh, it's huge. Yeah. Huge. Uh, you and I have had many conversations about the types of movies that we want to see in terms of Hispanic representation. Correct. Um, so because most of the time we are not satisfied with the way Hollywood portrays Hispanic people for yeah. the most part. Um a lot of times the stories that they tell usually put us and I say us as Hispanics in 
not so flattering positions. Right. So if it's not, you know, oh, they're the typical maid in, in one part of, of uh, right. the movie. Stereotypical. Or stereotypical. If they're, you know, put into positions of power, it's not like good power. It's like they're in a cartel or, <laughs> right. or stuff like that. So seeing myself, and this is another aspect of it, Caribbean Hispanic, yes. Caribbean Latino. Yes, yes, yes. We don't have as many big tentpole style movies. Correct. W- starring our heritage, mm-hmm. you and I. No, you don't. you are Cuban Puerto Rican. Yep. I am Puerto Rican Ecuadorian. Mm-hmm. So we have this. Our, we come from a mixed background. We do. We do yeah. come from mixed backgrounds. So being able to see ourselves on screen and and be able to see ourselves represented in a way that we're familiar with mm-hmm. because you know a lot of movies when they feature hispanic people are from a culture that we're not familiar with ourselves personally mm-hmm. you know mexican american or central american or even south american whenever they portray them on screen it's like okay they are hispanic but i am not familiar or latino with this. Okay. or yeah, I can't yeah. connect with this because it's not my upbringing. It's not my culture. Right. Right. So because Latino, uh, Hispanic, there's so many of us. Yes. So it's very multifaceted mm-hmm. and it is a like very mixed. And un- even in the way we speak, yeah, um, you know, there's huge differences between the Spanish. Yes. Words so, will mean something completely different depending on, you know. Right. Who you're speaking to. So right. it's it's a big thing. So I was delighted seeing, not myself, but I was delighted seeing me represented. Right. It in felt a general like sense. I was there. Yeah. In a general sense. I felt like I was being seen. Yeah. So that really brought a smile to my face throughout this entire movie. So yeah. maybe it kind of blinds me a bit to the movie itself. Of course, the movie's not perfect. I'm... I'm not going to sit here and say it is, but did I enjoy the hell out of it? Yes, I did. <laughs> I really did. Yeah. Be- uh, Jessica, how how did you feel about the movie itself? I came in with very little expectations. And even though I knew that the trailers were pretty bomb and they were very vibrant, I didn't expect the movie to really deliver on all those promises and be better mm-hmm. than the trailers, like by a long shot. Um, I'm going to come out here and say like I have been sleeping on In the Heights for many years because I when I went to college, I went to a predominantly white college and it was a private institution. So very similar to that character in In the Heights. Um, what is it? Nina? Nina. Nina. Yeah. So I was feeling her story a lot. But anyway, my roommate was the only other Hispanic in my class and she was Cuban. And she was a theater major and was very into the theater world. And one day she came back after like a break and said, oh, I went to go see In the Heights on Broadway. And I said, what's In the Heights? (laughs) And she goes, (laughs) oh, and she like explained it to me. And she was like, you would really like it. You would really like it because it's like, you know, it's about like us and everything. And I was like, "Okay." And like more than a decade later, here I am, like finally watching In the Heights. Wow. I know. So I feel really bad. Sorry, Steph, if you're listening. <laughs> Didn't take your advice of watching The Heights at all for the past, I don't know, 10 years. So 
I was so excited to see this movie. And as soon as the first like scenes came up, I was like, okay, like I'm following, I'm into it, I'm invested. And the characters were really well-rounded. There were so many arcs in this movie, um, so much character change and growth. And I think ultimately it was the little things in the movie that really made it sing for me. Yeah. No pun intended. No pun intended. <laughs> no pun intended. It was um, the little nuances of being in this Hispanic world. It was the food. It was the sazon. It was um, the even the the style of salsa and merengue and different aspects of the actual music. I'm like, oh, they they have this instrument. Oh, they're playing the, the guido. Like all this stuff is really um, touching for me. Like it made it feel like home to me yes yeah so it was magical and magnificent and you know i'd highly recommend it if you haven't seen it already guys it was very joyous and um yeah i mean multiple points i got super emotional (laughs) in the movie and i loved it i loved it as well i was smiling just back like ear to ear yeah just it's everything like the style of clothing the (laughs) the things that were on the shelves the sayings the the accents the uh, the flags like everything was so so close to home so close to home yeah the closer to how i grew up than probably any other movie that i've seen exactly uh so these are the positive stuff that yes. we are saying. Now, not everybody seems okay, to have... people have been dragging this okay, movie. Okay, yeah. People have been dragging this movie. Yeah. And it's not critics because, like we said, 97% of critics love this movie or yeah. are positive on this movie. Um, this has been a reaction to... I think the biggest issue with the reaction from most viewers is how the Hispanics are represented in... In the Heights. And by that, I mean the color of the actual actors and actresses portraying these parts. Right. So for a movie that is centered in Washington Heights in New York City, Mm -hmm. if you are familiar with it, which I'm a little familiar because I lived in New York, I've been to Washington Heights. It is a very ethnic area, right? And by that, I mean that Dominican and African-American is predominant. Mm-hmm. in in the heights and so with that you'll get a lot of people who are of darker complexion so a lot of people were upset about the fact that a movie that is centered around or in washington heights does not truly feature anyone of dark complexion in the main cast uh-huh. uh, people were you know there's dancers in the background who kind of make up some of that but if we're talking about the main cast, there's not much there. I I can kind of see it, kind of, but I have mixed is, feelings on it. I have, I, a, I have I mixed understand feelings on this conversation. Where people are coming from, because especially in the community that they're portraying, they're like, I really don't want to use the term whitewashing because I don't think it's whitewashing. But I don't think so. People either. are calling it what is it? Colorism. Colorism. That they chose light-skinned actors for all the main cast. And 
I didn't really feel that when I was watching. Maybe I don't know the community. Maybe like I don't really see it. But for me, I I'm mixed I have mixed feelings on it because I don't want to discount the feelings of all those people that are like, where am I? Like, where is this true community? You know, there's tons of black people in this community. Where are they? Where are the Afro Latinos? (laughs) Right. The Afro Latinos. That is the that's the center of the conversation there. So I guess I don't know if this is a question to ask. So what are the thoughts on someone like Nina's character? Right. Who is clearly supposed to be Puerto Rican, mm-hmm. but she is not exactly I light found skinned. her Afro, Afro-Latina. <laughs> like looking yeah. at her on the street, I'd be like, oh, it's an Afro-Latina. Yeah. I, if I saw her, I would uh, I would think that she was Afro-Latina or, you know, because of her She's complexion. the color of Celia, no? <laughs> yeah. She, she is of that yeah. slightly darker complexion. Right. And then her love interest, Benny, is... A mm-hmm. African American guy. Yeah. You know? So it's not like they're not having any roles at all. Mm-hmm. If anything, they have a of an arc in the story. Like Nina has her own arc. You have Benny and Nina having a love story throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just wonder if it's people are upset that it w- it didn't go to the main It role. wasn't enough. Ah. <sighs> I guess, I guess to me, I was even impressed that they had an Afro Latina. Yeah. Because of the fact that that easily, like when you say Puerto Rican, I Uh think you and I, and I think a lot of people would have an assumption on how that Puerto Rican girl would look. Right. Right. So, um, the fact that they went that route of a darker complexion girl, Mm -hmm. That was good. That was really good. Uh, so I don't know. I found it groundbreaking. As soon as I left the theater, I was like, this is groundbreaking, all this stuff. And in the back of my mind, I thought, oh, my God, they, Nina is an Afro-Latina. And that's amazing. And then come to find out, like, people are pissed because it wasn't dark enough. It wasn't dark enough. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that's what it feels like. That's what the conversation feels like, that it's not enough. Like, I honestly... Uh, Another conversation that people were having, uh, same thing, colorism, mm. is Anthony Ramos being Dominican. Mm-hmm. And there was an entire thing about colorism there. But I'm like, I have met and know Dominicans who look like right. Anthony Ramos. And that's the thing. Like, I've seen people that look all different colors from all, all different, different colors. Like, yeah. And so like, it, to I, me, didn't phase me. No. So I'm that, like, I've seen a person that looks like that. I've seen a Dominican that looks like that. I've seen a Puerto Rican that looks 10 shades darker than that too. Like right. it's, I've seen a Dominican or I had a Dominican barber who was as dark as Benny. Yeah. So though it makes no difference range, to me. <laughs> right. The but, range is wide right. when it comes to Hispanics. But I think the conversation is stemming from the fact that always the the high profile roles go to someone who is light skinned mm. or lighter skinned. Right. That's I think that's where the conversation it's part is part of a pattern. From. It's a pattern. pattern. Okay. That even even when you're casting someone who's supposed to be black, and I'm using that as the term for the character themselves. If they're supposed to be a black character, mm-hmm. 
they'll still hire a light-skinned black person to right. play that role. Right. So that's that's the that's where it's stemming from. Um, the people that were in charge, like the director and the casting people, they were basically saying, "Look, we chose the best people for the parts." Yeah, and there was a video like, passing around. I, did you see that video? The John uh, Chu one. Yeah, John Chu one. Yeah, he was like, "I need to research more on this." Right, because uh, this is another thing. John Chu is not Hispanic. No, no. So he's the fact that he directed this movie coming off of something from Crazy Rich Asians, which had slightly its own issues. That Remember now that? people are dragging at Crazy Rich Asians, too, because of yeah. the portrayal of the, I don't want to say servants, but like the hired help in that yeah. rich household were all um, darker skinned Asians. Were all right? darker skinned That's Asians the- or... Yeah, that's the scandal. So, yeah, that was. Um, yeah, I, again, mixed feelings on it for In the Heights. To me, it's not really an issue. Right. And here's the reason why for me, it's not an issue. It, obviously, we want to see more going forward. Mm-hmm. But how many of these movies have actually been made for us? Right. Like there's not even that much to go off of. So. Right. So I am right now so happy that we didn't get like some crass, you know, over the top version of what we are represented as in media most of the time. The mm-hmm. fact that they they tried to ground it and by ground it i mean like hey these are actual people what they look like how they live what they say the fact that they did all that and they made it so enjoyable and made it about our culture really really spoke volumes to me and mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure it spoke volumes to so many people like me as well right that the heart was there the heart it was, was there. totally in the right place <laughs> yes so you know it's tough because it, it, it hurts because it hurts. Yes, it hurts. It hurts to have this conversation because we are so excited for this movie and excited for the opportunity to see our community represented like this and the conversations kind of changing, mm-hmm. you know, as the weekend was going on. You know, first it was like, oh, it's a disappointment at the box office. And then number two, it's like, oh, the representation in this movie is actually not good. And it's like, I mean, man, you, you, we're really <laughs> we're really making it easy for them to say, you know what? Let's not make another movie yeah, centralized exactly. around Hispanic people like this because yeah. apparently they won't go see it and then they'll complain about it. Right. That that is my takeaway from all of that, mm-hmm. from the from the two things is that, number one, the we disappointment. gave no name actors a chance. Yep, they didn't we go gave see them a chance. We did a movie all about the Hispanic community. And you know what? We actually did our homework on it. Lin-Manuel, who created the entire musical, had a huge hand in this. I yep. was actually in it. They're not going to see it. And like, why would we do it again? They're, now they're bitching about it. Right. They're, they're, they're complaining and bitching about it. So why is a Hollywood Big like Warner Brothers. Warner why Brothers. Is, why would studios like Warner Brothers seeing all of this? Why would they go? You know what? Why make another one? Mm. If this is going to be the result, 
you know, where mm-hmm. they're not going to see it. And then there's complaints. You about know what? It. They'd rather see a green lady singing about, you know, gravity. So we'll just do wicked. Like we'll just do wicked. You know, that's the sentiment is is I totally feel you on the the look of it to a studio who is putting money for this. Exactly. Who so, is hiring your director, hiring your your people of color, hiring everybody. Yeah. So <laughs> I I really hope that th- this is viewed through the lens of the pandemic that, you know, because theaters just opened up not that long ago, that they could see and look at this and be like, you know what? It was still well received. Maybe it has awards consideration, even though it's summertime. It's released a little too early for that. But it, I hope that studios can see that and be like, you know what? We can take chances on stories like this because they're going to get the critical reception. People will eventually come out to it. Mm-hmm. That's my hope. My hope is for that. Yeah. So uh, before we get into spoilers, because in spoilers, we're going to be it's going to be very positive during spoiler talk for sure i believe uh did you have any other thoughts about any of the discussions we had before we get in there no I okay think we're good <laughs> i think we're good so what did you give in the heights as a score four to five so did i four out of five hey. yeah i tr- i made sure to limit myself and there'll be a reason why i didn't go like four and a half and we'll talk about that in spoilers. Uh, so with that said, mm-hmm. let's go ahead and we'll talk about spoilers for In the Heights right after this. The greatest trick. Houston, we have a problem. I am the father. I see dead people. The devil ever pulled. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Was convincing the world. You can't handle the truth. He didn't exist. Oh, what's in the box? All right, so let's go ahead and talk about spoilers for In the Heights, the brand new movie. Um, We forgot to mention that another reason for box office, it was also released on HBO Max at the same time, um, which could have contributed maybe, but who knows? Anyway, let's go ahead and let's talk spoilers. So first thing, uh, what is your favorite song or maybe favorite sequence moment of the movie that you really enjoyed yourself i have probably two that i I can say like oh yeah (laughs) okay so i really like no me diga (laughs) oh yes in the salon with all the salon ladies that one was so well choreographed and hilarious i i was i mean it was hysterical to me i love the whole like chisme aspect of the song and characters coming in and out and oh it was very up my alley (laughs) right up my alley (laughs) bro um what'd you think of no me diga i think no me diga visually is great because of the way they portray everyone is you know getting manicures pedicures hair done in a salon, in a yes. in a Hispanic salon. Yes. And like they incorporate everyone and everything to the point like the wigs yes. on the mannequins even <laughs> are like turning their heads to like, hey, yes. what is the chisme here? Yeah. So I really enjoy that. Chisme is gossip. <laughs> yes, yeah, chisme is gossip for people who don't know. Uh and I love and this goes for so many of the movies, or so much of the songs in the movie is that they 
go into Spanglish a yes, lot. Yes, so much. A lot. So much did not have subtitles. And I was happy for it. <laughs> yeah. I, I was kind of surprised. I me was too. like, they're going to start putting subtitles anytime someone speaks Spanish. And it's like, no, no. they're not, I guess. <laughs> And I was I was excited for that. It's like, yeah, this is a main movie, man. <laughs> this is this is cool, man. Uh, so yeah, so No Media is really good. I really enjoyed that one. I think um, ninety six thousand was supposed to be like the biggest sequence, right? Yeah, uh, that was like the pool sequence where they get the news that they have they sold a winning lottery ticket, and everyone's like, "What are you gonna do with the ninety six thousand? The payout?" Yeah. This has remnants of nonstop. It does. It does have remnants of nonstop. I didn't quite like 96,000 as much as like the trailers would have you think that you were going to like it. So, but yeah. It's supposed to be the showstopper. It is supposed to be the showstopper. Um, I would have you know, guys, like Justin Bieber did it first with Nicki Minaj and Beauty and the Beat. (laughs) Um, Pool dancing. Rico's like sitting all the way back in his seat. It's like, I can't deal with this. Uh, okay. Yeah. But it was a good, really interesting sequence. A lot going on. Characters singing over each other. I think ultimately I found it really grating, especially on second watch. When I watched it the second time. The last part. The last part, especially with um, what's her face singing? Vanessa's ca- Vanessa's, Vanessa's singing. She has a little bit of a Minnie Mouse voice, mm-hmm. and too much of it is just kind of like grating. Fair, fair and enough. And so the her tone was just kind of piercing. So she is featured heavily on ninety six thousand at the end. She's like singing over everybody, and I'm like, Ugh. so that's kind of an. I, I I totally get you. Uh, so have you ever heard the uh, um, original soundtrack? No. No, nope. I still haven't heard the original soundtrack, but I think you have, right? I have You've listened to it. Yes, I have. Uh, so Vanessa in the show, believe it or not, is actually even more nasally. No way. They're more, you know, up there in in pitch. Um, and Nina's character is a lot more grounded and more like has a more power in her voice okay. versus the Nina that we see in the movie. Right. The Nina we see in the movie is very like, like you said, Minnie Mouse, yeah. like, you know, very high up in the a register. Very feminine tone. Yes. Both and, of them. Right. Both of them. But you yeah. don't have like a powerhouse kind of pulling chest voice. Right. You don't of. have like a Renee Elise Goldsberry from yes. Hamilton. Who yeah. plays Angelica? You don't have someone like Very that. Very thick sound. No, you, you don't, don't have, have that. that. I kind of uh, miss that. That is a nitpick of mine. Just personally, my personal taste in musicals and voices. Power. I much prefer someone who sounds more like you know uh, the lady that you said from Ta- yep. from Hamilton in particular. Renee. Uh huh. Renee. So yeah. So that just is personal a nitpick. preference. Yeah, personal that's personal taste. preference, yeah. personal taste. Doesn't mean that they didn't perform it well. No, I mean, they were singing on pitch. It was perfectly fine. They did the job. I just... Just the preference of the voice itself. Yes, yes. Exactly. Um, speaking of that, let me let me ask you, um, outside of the singing part, how did you feel about the characters themselves? Uh, so, so, like I said, I connected more with Nina mm-hmm. than I did with Vanessa. Right. 
But I can see how they brought together, or Lin-Manuel had Vanessa and Usnavi basically attempting two different things. Like their dreams are complete opposites where she's trying to move downtown, get out of the barrio and basically assimilate into, you know, I don't, I don't want to say like American life, but basically the the fashion world, the fashion world and what it means to be out of outside of this Hispanic community. And Usnavi is literally like, I want to go back to the homeland. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he's like, I want to go back Ew. to the DR. <laughs> yeah. So they're completely different. And I like that juxtaposition between them because it does represent this dual um, feeling that a lot of Hispanics have, I feel like, is that you are proud of your country. And yes, you admire your country and you love, you know, wherever you came from, whether it's DR, PR, Cuba, wherever, like you have this love for the land and for the culture. And you miss it. But at the same time, you're very appreciative of where you are and you have all these reasons for coming to America and they're all still valid and you still believe in them. And you do have a dream and a sueñito that you want to pursue. And you know that being here in the States can help you get there. But there is still this national pride that you feel and that duality is very present in both of them. Where like maybe I, you have this feeling like, well, I want to go back to visit insert country here but i do want to move out move on you know be successful in my career and if that means getting out of this tight-knit community where i don't have as many opportunities then so be it let me let me ask you this is more on the personal side of a question because i was having this discussion with my brother and my sister did you ever feel like your life inside your house felt different than your life outside your house uh, in terms of how you interact with your English and Spanish? In what way? So me, and this is me, my sister and brother, we always felt outside of the house, we had like this assimilation to American culture for the most part. Like we, everything we did was very, (laughs) to put a different term, white. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. you know, the schools we went to and the, um, you know, the things that we interacted with, the things we liked, mm-hmm. but inside the house is where like the Spanish was spoken. The culture was alive and well in the house, mm-hmm. but not really outside the house. Like I wouldn't say that I spent any time outside of my house really speaking Spanish. You know what I'm saying? I see what you're saying. So I would say 100% yes. I, my first language is Spanish. That's all they spoke to me when I was growing up and learning how to speak. And Mm -hmm. then as soon as I started going to kindergarten in a regular elementary school, I lost all my Spanish and learned English fast. And now (laughs) I'm very iffy on Spanish. Like, to be quite honest, it's not my I'm not uh, fluent in Spanish anymore, even though I pretty much understand everything. But speaking is rough and uh, writing is even tougher. So I would say that growing up outside the house, we were definitely more exposed to American things and speaking English predominantly. Although I we grew up, I grew up in South Florida. Yes. And so South Florida is like a different country. So it down really, there, it, it really is. <laughs> we did. I mean, we were such in close proximity to Miami and we would go eat Cuban, real Cuban food and we would go 
to um, Spanish church and things like that that were mm -hmm. very much a part of the culture. So in the house, though, I would say that my grandparents' house was the house that had the most like homeland culture. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. They would watch the Sabado Gigante. They would cook the most Hispanic food and they would do these Puerto Rican feasts. And when we would have Puerto Rican um, cousins and tias come over from PR, they would bring like a suitcase of frozen food. And so at least one of the days that they would come, we would do this like Puerto Rican feast. And it was like a highlight of their visit <laughs> was like us cooking all this Puerto Rican food that they brought and froze and we would have leftovers. And so this sort of thing, and then speaking Spanish, obviously. Yeah, of course. To my grandparents who prefer Spanish, obviously, because that's their first language and they know it better than English. Um, but yeah, this sort of thing that you're talking about to kind of dumb down your culture for the white people out there. Uh, that's real. Yeah, <laughs> that's absolutely real. It is real. Um, it is. It's uh, and I don't want to say that it's wrong or right, but um, it is something that is prevalent. I feel for a lot of kids growing up in the States that have this like dual life almost. Yeah, I, I think that you and I can understand that that type of lifestyle, mm -hmm. especially growing up in South Florida, because yeah, like we know a bunch of Hispanic people and everything. Yeah. Everyone is Hispanic. I, I mean, all everyone. my friends were Hispanic. Everyone was mixed. Yeah. Um, but chances are outside of the house, even with Hispanic people, you're speaking English, you're engaging yeah. in, in things that are not necessarily Hispanic, but then in the house, it feels like you are Hispanic in the house. Yes, we're using adobo. We're using fajita seasoning. We're cooking rice and beans. We're, right. you <laughs> know, dinner, yeah, we have aguacates <laughs> on standby. Um, it's this whole thing where you feel like you need to definitely assimilate. I feel like that's yeah. the correct word. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, that, I, I feel like that is the right word. So uh, coming back to the movie now. Yes, yes. So. Now, uh, my fa a couple of my favorite uh, sequences, songs, sequences. I love the opening number, uh, In the Heights. In the Heights the is really good, really catchy. It's Sets a the really tone. good way of introducing all of the characters mm -hmm. in the show. A yeah. very good way because they each get their moment to really like set themselves apart. You have the salon ladies who come in and they're doing their bochincha thing in the beginning <laughs> of the show, you know, like... <laughs> You know, like they're talking about some guy who like they could smell uh, perfume and it's like, who are you in there with? And it was another guy. And they're yes. like, oh, you know, no me diga. No me diga. And so you you meet Sonny. Who That's is, actually one of my favorite parts, too. It's very small where Kuka stays behind to like yeah, flirt with Usnavi in the middle of the song. Yeah. And one of the girls walking out goes, puta. <laughs> like you barely hear it, but enough to but send it's me just enough it's just enough just you're enough just like oh my god it's too accurate and it really is uh, we have sunny who is usnavi's cousin from the dominican who works with usnavi at the bodega yeah um we have rosario jimmy smith's the tv legend this man <laughs> has made so much good tv <laughs> over his <laughs> life um movie wise he's never been like a big star but tv like the West Wing, NYPD Blue. Um, and then he'll like take over shows randomly. Uh, yeah, he's he's really good. Uh, what so, did yeah, you I, think of um, 
Piragua with Pira- Lemuel. Okay, so Piragua, uh, the singing version, I like the one that's on the album, uh, on the original cast list. Okay, okay. Back from the theater show. Uh, but I did like this version because you mentioned something that has stuck with me ever since we left the theater. <laughs> and it's like, that is the best that I've heard Lin-Manuel Miranda sing. I... <laughs> That's exactly what I said in the theater. Oh, and because that is stuck with me. It's true because, you know, no matter how much you like Lin-Manuel Miranda, he's definitely a genius. He's um, great at producing these shows and coming up with everything. You know, he's a creator. But as far as a performer, I'm convinced he's not the best singer. You know, you can't convince he's not. You can't tell me otherwise. He's not the best singer. And it's very obvious when you watch other versions of Hamilton that... He's not the best singer. He's a great rapper. Great rapper. Yes. Not a great singer. So Piragua was a nice surprise for me to hear him actually sing well. Maybe it was just the key that it was in, or I don't know if he just felt it more on Piragua because it's his culture. I don't know. It's one of the first shows that he ever did. So maybe he just turned up for Piragua, but it was good, real good. And then I really like the rivalry between him and the guy that plays George Washington from Hamilton. Christopher Jackson. Christopher Jackson. So he's also in the original cast, right, for In the Heights? Yeah, he played Benny. Played Benny. Wow. So he's got a whole bunch of George Washington George Washington in his hand as he's got like a wad of ones <laughs> counting the ones because he's the ice cream guy. Anyway, um, yeah, we have a lot of um, Easter eggs. There's so many later. Easter eggs. Yeah. Uh, but so how did you one feel? more? Oh, OK. Go, go, go. I have What's one more song one more? that I truly love. Yeah. And it was um, Carnaval del Barrio. Yes, yes, yes. One hundred percent. That one just stand out. Like, I wanted to stand up and start dancing. Yes. Right? And you're a dancing fiend. I don't know if you guys know this. Rico loves to dance. Every time we go to a wedding, he's the first one on the dance floor. <laughs> <laughs> so it was it, hard. It's fun. It's fun. Yes, I know. So Carnaval de Barrio was the one where people started bringing out the flags and mm-hmm. it was such a party. And you felt so much joy and pride in that moment because... It was like they were, it was like a call to action almost. It felt yeah. like that. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It really felt that way. Mm-hmm. But so much fun and it was glorious. I'd do so that. Glorious. I'd watch that sequence again in a heartbeat. Oh, for sure. For yeah. sure. So uh, you were going to say something I was going to bring you. up Paciencia y Fe. Oof. So this is not really this my favorite be. song. It's not. Like, no. Um, you know, even the way that it's put together, I feel it's really unconventional. The song doesn't go in a direction that you feel is going to go in. Mm-hmm. But the way that they staged it and the meaning behind the song and the whole arc of that character comes to fruition in the movie. The musical is in a different position within the show and it's a little bit of a different story. But in the movie, it is comes at the end of Abuela Claudia's life. She sings mm-hmm. this And oh my God, when she's talking about her life and her mom having this dream coming from Cuba and having all of these hardships, it was like, oh my God, I almost cried. Yeah, I know. And Um, then when she's on the subway and all of the subway riders 
immediately like they change the lighting and everyone turns into like the Cuban dancers wearing the traditional like Cuban the white um clothes I was like I just almost fell out of the chair I was like oh my god it was so shocking in a good way so well done yeah it really was it was super well done and I really man the way it ends like she she comes to this resignation like all right mom like because he's she's talking to her mom in the Mm -hmm. song and she's like all right i'm coming Mm -hmm. and like she leaves kind of like in a happy way like just resolute resolute yeah and but it's still so sad it but that right there i can see where maybe there could be some consideration for her as an actress for that role maybe uh just because for awards yeah for awards ah supporting actress type of thing where they start talking about her i'm not saying a win but like she she gets buzzed to get a nomination type of Mm. thing because of that she did originate yeah she did originate the role of abuela claudia Mm -hmm. which is really weird because she doesn't look that old to me and this show's like something like 20 years old or something almost 20 years old so 20 years ago she was even younger so she was playing Abuela Claudia. <laughs> she was still playing time. Abuela Claudia. <laughs> Rude. Yeah. But um, I it was very much a, a an emotional touch point of the movie and I'm sure of the musical as well when she sang Paciencia y Fe. Right. It's, I'm pretty sure that is a big moment in the play itself. I've never seen the play itself. I've only heard the soundtrack. Right. But I'm pretty sure that's a, a huge moment in the show It's as well. Uh, so... I have a question for you. Oh, God. What? (laughs) So, um, obviously, we know Vanessa. This was a... She's kind of an unknown. Uh, Vanessa, uh, the one who plays Vanessa. This is uh, Melissa Barrera, Mm -hmm. is her name. So, I think (laughs) you, you like her acting. I liked her acting fine and everything. But how would you have felt... Oh, no. Is there a casting what if? There is a casting what if, but I'm using this as a personal, like, they could have used someone from the show. Okay. And this person was on the second run of the the show. show. Not the original run, but the second run. How would you have felt if they would have used someone like Vanessa Hudgens? No. 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 Right? God, no. Okay, I just wanted to double check. Just wanted to double check before uh, continuing. <laughs> I don't mean <laughs> to she drag was Vanessa on the Hudgens. Run. I didn't think she was going to be catching stray bullets on this show. I know, right? But um, no, in a word, no. Okay. Just wanted to double check before we moved on. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> one criticism that I want to give the movie here, because okay, I think that there's something that I can say. If you were to describe what is this movie about to someone? Yeah, you can't. You can't, It's right? very multifaceted, not one through line. No. So it's kind of, you kind of have to like. Because every character has almost equal play in in the grand scheme of the movie. And so that makes it really difficult to nail down like, what's this about? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of hard because the plot is kind of all over the place. It is. Because there's too many threads going on at the it's same time. It's about the barrio. Like everybody in the barrio right. is getting, having some sort of flux and change in their life. So it's kind of like 
something like Hamilton, you can easily describe in one in one phrase or in one line. Yes. It is the founding fathers told by America today type of thing. Right. But yeah, you can't. That's your really elevator tr- pitch. Yeah, but you can't really describe this one that easily. Um, so that is a complaint that I have is like, it's, it's not easy to describe the plot of this movie. You would have to go like individually, like, oh, you have Usnavi who is, you know, son of immigrants who's trying to get back to the island, you know, Vanessa, Nina, like Hmm. there's too many stories to describe. Uh, Yeah. That is a negative is that it almost does too much. Yeah, that is, I I would agree that there's a negative there that she does a little too much. Also, Uh, the movie's pretty long. Yeah, it's two Almost hours two and, and 25 hours. minutes. Yeah. Two hours and 25 minutes. So, yeah. yeah um, could they have cut down? Yeah, they actually Absolutely. cut stuff from the show. I think show. they did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were things from the show that they cut out in order to I be think able they to actually cut out the, um, shoot, Nina's dad. Yes. Is racist in the show. Yeah. And they cut that out completely for the movie. Yeah. Yeah, they did. Which. I don't know. I feel like once they hired the Afro-Latina <laughs> to play his daughter, it kind of became a moot point for him to be racist towards Benny. Yeah, because his daughter is li- is not light-skinned. <laughs> no. So how are you going to explain Even she said, what she call herself? Trienia, which I've yeah. grown up with that word. Like, that's my word. <laughs> Yeah, Trigenia, yeah. which is like olive skin, maybe not exactly the mm, term, but yeah, but like you know, tan, tanned, yeah, pretty tanned. much. Yeah, so yeah, we are we are very familiar with that word, you and I, mm-hmm. Trigenio, Trigenia. So yeah, so I'm in a way I'm I'm glad they cut it out because if not, then they would have had to they would have had to cast someone light skin for that role and then the complaints would have been even yes. bigger so uh so it's a good thing that they didn't go down that route but yeah two and a half hours is still kind of long mm-hmm. uh for for this story it could have probably been condensed a little bit more for like sure. they could have cut out maybe a couple of here there things mm-hmm. but i understand it's it's a musical so there's a lot of the music that you still want to try to get in yeah uh but at the same time, it's kind of hard, you know, to decide, okay, do we cut out this? Do we cut out this? This really focuses on this part of the plot, you know, so it, it's kind of hard. So I, I get it. How long was Les Mis? Wasn't Les Mis somewhere in that vicinity? It was too of, long. Yeah, it was like in the vicinity <laughs> no, of No, I mean hours. too long because I didn't like it. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's another thing. Just a camera in everybody's faces. Just Tom Hooper, bro. Everyone Come busting on. a vein trying to get the note out. It's like, just get them in a studio. Like, enough. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Conversation we've already had. <laughs> we've already had. Okay. Um. Here's someone that we should probably touch on. Yes. This person makes a cameo in this movie and I it excited our audience. Freaked our, our, the fuck out <laughs> when this guy came on the screen. Uh, and that guy is Mark Anthony. And I'm going to actually put Sir Mark Anthony because if there was a monarchy here in the States, I totally think he would have been knighted by now. <laughs> like it is Sir Mark Anthony, um, a prominent New Yorkian, Puerto Rican 
singer. Um, if you haven't heard a Mark Anthony song, I, it behooves you to listen to a Mark Anthony song. So you know who we're talking about. He was married to Jennifer Lopez. Yep. And like that, it, this that is right a major, there at a, at a time was like Puerto Rican royalty right there. Yes. Puerto Rican royalty. Much. So man, when Mark Anthony came on the screen, I mean, I think I jumped into the next seat. Like I was, <laughs> I was like, Oh my God. And the whole theater knew who he was. It was so validating. And, oh, we had a hot crowd too. Yeah, we did have a hot crowd. So he, he shows up in the movie. Doesn't sing. He doesn't sing. No. Which is one of the <laughs> weirdest choices to make when you have someone you like have Mark Anthony. I think he is, if I'm not mistaken, like officially the highest grossing salsa singer of all time. Yeah, he might have more money than the budget of this movie. <laughs> right. And the fact that they decided, no, we're good. That's we're a good. flex. That's yeah. a flex. It's we'll like, no, nah, we're not going to use him for his singing. No, we'll just mute Mark Anthony. We'll make him the deadbeat dad. <laughs> he was part of the closing credit song. Briefly. Uh, so briefly. Uh, so he's on there. Um, but yeah, the they use him in a in a deadbeat dad role. And yes. someone who's clearly struggling with alcohol. And yeah. who else? What else? Because... They filmed him at a really skinny, like he did not look great. I, what is he, 90 pounds soaking wet? He That's what it looks like, man. Like haggard. Yes, he does. He really does. <laughs> yeah. But he played it very well. Though. He played it very well. Had no issues. If you didn't know who Mark Anthony was once, you would have been like, okay, like another actor. I right. don't think you would have known any better. Exactly. Yeah. This was definitely a treat for any Hispanic person who knows who Mark Anthony is. Uh, so let's talk. He's the one that introduced the concept that Benny is not a citizen. Right. That's true. That is like, he a, said, that's a storyline that happens for the second half of the show. Right. Right. Is the fact that he, bet, um, Usnavi wants to go back to the Dominican Republic, wants to take Sonny back with him. Is it Sonny? Did I say the wrong name? You said Did Benny, I say I think, Benny, right? Sorry. Not bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sonny. Sonny. He wants to take Sonny with him to the Dominican Republic, live out there, go to school there, it, all this different type of stuff. But that's where he realizes that Sonny is not a legal immigrant. Like he's an undocumented, you know, dreamer. He's a dreamer. Yeah. And and that's what the second half of the show kind of focuses on for him. Yes. Uh, so what are we going to do with Sonny? You know, what's going to happen with Sonny? So that's where the Nina's story gets involved with him as well. Yes. We finally get a resolution there. It's like, oh, I don't want to go back to school. I don't want to go back to school. I hate it there. And then she realizes, oh, there's a purpose there for me now mm-hmm. through Sunny. So they they tie up a lot of the loose ends. Now, there's two things we need to talk about before we get out of here. Okay, what's up? Number one, we're going to talk about the thing that happened during the movie. That you were just like, (laughs) you were not happy about. So the framing device of the movie is that Usnavi is telling this story of Washington Heights, this neighborhood, his whole like kind of um, upbringing in this season on a beach in the presumably the Dominican Republic with a bunch of little kids as his audience, including his daughter. 
However, at the end of the movie, it is revealed that he did not decide to go to the Dominican Republic. He decided to stay in Washington Heights and there is no beach that he is sitting on at the moment. He is sitting in his bodega in front of a beach mural and the kids are referring to not the beach water, the fire hydrant water that's outside. So I... I was bamboozled, hoodwinked, deceived. I felt very wronged when they did this reveal because I seriously thought <laughs> that he chose to go to the Dominican Republic and que no, que no, he stayed in Washington Heights. Que lio. So, oh, God. since I had listened to the soundtrack before, I knew that you he knew. chose. You knew and didn't say anything. My question throughout the movie was, how are they going to explain him on the beach? Because I know he chooses to stay. So what is this, retirement or something? Oh, my God. I, like, I couldn't, I, I didn't know what they were doing. And then the reveal that it was the mural. <laughs> the mural. Was the beach all along. Was rude. <laughs> that is just rude. How dare you? How I found dare that to be you? funny, and I found your reaction to be funny because so. <laughs> because I thought that it was real. I took that framing device at face value and was fully like fully supportive of Usnavi going back to the DR, and he ends up staying. And oh my god, when they show the mural and this like janky bodega all over again just kind of themed in a beach way i was like oh no baby no (laughs) oh my god you had a patch of beach in dr and you decided to (laughs) stay in new york oh what a fall from grace what a fall from grace oh my god yeah so so that was your reaction that that was my raw reaction was just I was flabbergasted. All right. So <laughs> we have talked about this quite this movie quite a bit. Uh, so let's talk about some Easter eggs. Let's do it. Because there are quite a bit of stuff in this movie that if you're a fan of other things that Lin-Manuel Miranda has done, specifically Hamilton, <laughs> uh, you will pick up little things here and there that reference things from outside of the show so uh what's the first one that you can think of it was the hold music from the dad it was playing the song from hamilton yeah it was playing uh you'll be back you'll be back yeah it was uh like a nice little reference there um so uh, a couple of uh things outside of the hamilton sphere well actually we already mentioned Christopher Jackson, who played George Washington in the show. He was Benny in the original show. He was Mr. Softy in in, in the Heights. Uh, we already mentioned, obviously, Mark Anthony. For those who, you know, are not Hispanic, this is a cameo. Uh, also, um, Valentina. This is the, apparently, lives in... Not technically in the Lin Manuel Miranda universe, but uh, apparently 
the drag queen, there was a drag queen from RuPaul's Drag Race who was the one who gave the sass inside of the salon. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so that, and also Daphne Ruben Vega, who plays Mimi, uh, or I'm sorry, played Mimi in The Cast of Rent. So that's another theater thing for people who are familiar with that. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Those are the main ones. Obviously, you mentioned that Christopher Jackson had like a fistful of dollar bills. (laughs) Because of course, very of course he did. <laughs> that was that was fun. Uh, so yeah, those were just some of the Easter eggs. Not not too many. Uh, surprisingly, I thought there would have been a lot more. And of course, Lee Manuel plays the Piragua guy. Yeah, like he he decided to put himself. Did in you the like movie. that fit with like the New Balance and the high socks? And that the is shorts. some dad <laughs> energy right there. Yo, he's showing off that dad bod. Yeah. So. <laughs> 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 yeah, so that is some real dad energy that he is giving off with the tucked in polo that striped <laughs> down with the yep. cargo shorts mm-hmm. and and like the high socks, like they're like calf high white <laughs> socks with the New Balance sneakers. Oh, so. I wanted to to mention this real fast. The song When the Sun Goes Down is, I think... The song where Benny and mm-hmm. Nina are dancing on the side of the building. Yes. I don't know how they did that. I don't know what witchcraft they did to <laughs> get, get them like that. What CGI they did. What How they filmed it. I don't know. But it was amazing. Yeah, I thought it was really good too. I found a lot of people online saying that they thought that was a bad sequence. Interesting. Yeah, I found that surprising. I found it but, a forgettable song, but a very memorable sequence. A very memorable sequence. Yes, I agree. Um, so I would say overall, I think this is a movie I definitely would return to. I've seen it twice now. Yeah, same. I saw it in, in theaters and then on HBO Max. Uh, I can revisit um, Carnaval del Barrio anytime I want. Yes. Just because it is so infectious. Uh, so, yeah, I really love this movie. Jessica, sounds like you really enjoy this movie as well. Oh, yeah. So I think that we can go out of here saying that we love this movie and we recommend it. We recommend it, especially if you are someone of Caribbean descent, Caribbean yep. descent. Uh, if you are someone that can see yourself represented this way, don't just watch it on HBO Max, you know, like seek it out. In theaters, if you can, if you feel safe to do so and everything, I would highly recommend to do that. For sure. So I think that just about does it for us, I think. I think so, you too. Know, let us know on social media if you agree with us or if you didn't like the movie. Let us know, too. We would love to hear your thoughts. You can find us on social media at Always Critic Pod. Uh, that is on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and TikTok. And also, if you have already subscribed to the show, why don't you go ahead and consider being a Patreon of ours? Uh, join us on patreon.com slash always critic pod and you could throw us two dollars a month, <laughs> as little as two dollars a month, and you could support this very, very 
well-produced show, if I say so myself. (laughs) (laughs) So, with that said, that has been our show. I'm Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this has been the Always the Critic Podcast.